Dr. Dre released his album The Chronic in 1992, but I don't think it was Dr. Dre's goal to speak to how we walk through chronic pain and illness as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. I could be wrong. I haven't listened to the album in quite some time. But our goal here today on the Disciple Henson podcast is to think about chronic pain and illness, and I hope you are helped as we hear in this episode from our sister Whitney Woolard and what the Lord has taught her over the years as she's walked the journey of chronic illness. I think whether you struggle with chronic pain and illness or not, you will be helped and encouraged as you listen. Bullard, thank you for coming back on the Disciple Henson Show. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, Mike DeBoer hates it when I say show, but <laughs> I just did it again. Sorry, Mike. Love you, Mike DeBoer. <laughs> hey, Whitney, what I'd love for us to talk about, I'd love for the church to hear a little bit about your story uh, of battling chronic illness and just what the Lord's taught you and words of wisdom mm-hmm. from your perspective. Um, so we're going to take a little bit of time to talk about that today. Why don't you start by sharing your story? Absolutely. Um, so when I am 34 now, when I, I don't know if everyone offers their age that quickly, but there it is. When I was 28, so about six years ago, I contracted Lyme disease unbeknownst to me. And so what happened is over time, I started getting very sick. Um I was right out of uh, Western Seminary. I had done my master's in four semesters. I was working there with Gary Brashears. I was getting ready to start my THM. I was speaking for women's events and retreats. And then all of a sudden, just fatigue hit me like a semi-truck. And this is actually an interesting piece of information. I have been hit by a semi-truck, now that I think about it, in a wreck. So but, you know, that, that's not just an expression so, for you. Yeah, yeah. Some people just use that expression. I've actually been hit in a car by a semi-truck. But um, the fatigue just hit, and that's where it started. And then it was like brain fog settled over my mind. And I, 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 I had just finished school doing all this like rigorous cognitive thinking, and yet I couldn't think straight to read my Bible for devotions in the morning. And and all I could think about was sleep. And then I started getting these infections all over my body, staph infections, viral infections, bacterial infections. I, I, I just couldn't I felt like I couldn't go on. I just, I was dreaming of like being in my bed all the time, which was so different from the high energy, high passion person I was. And so I just, I just knew something was wrong. Uh, I vacillated between thinking I was really crazy, which people with chronic illness almost always do. Mm. And then also knowing deep down something was desperately wrong though the doctors couldn't figure out what. So like, Everyone in the chronic disease world, I went through several doctors. I finally landed with an immunologist, and it took two and a half years, but we discovered that um, just by testing, by CDC standards, I had had, I had contracted Lyme disease. With that, I contracted two other co-infections. I had chronic mono. Uh, I had chronic um, HHV6. It's another infection in the mono family. So all of this to say um, I had... Really, the symptoms are what matters when you're in chronic disease. So I, I have, I have right now nine official diagnoses, um, diagnoses, ease, however you say it. But, um, uh, but what that means is that every day I battle with um, either you know symptoms that vacillate between excruciating pain, horrible migraines, neurological symptoms, confusion, loss of vision, loss of speech, uh, flu-like symptoms. Uh, uh, 
tons of fatigue, tons of fog, twitching, tremors, aching, pain. I mean, just from the the soles of my feet to the top of my head, um, I experience symptoms on a daily basis. And I've been battling that now. I got two and a half years in. I got a diagnosis. We've been treating for about three and a half years now. And we're still, I'd say, right in the thick of it. Oh, my. Uh, when was it that you knew that this wasn't just acute, that this wasn't just here for a short time, like, you know, a bad, a really bad case? I guess the flu isn't a good example, but like an acute illness. And when did you realize that, you know, this is going to be a long road? Was there a point in time when it kind of hit you? Like a semi-truck? I mean, once I got the Lyme disease diagnosis that late in the game, we knew it wasn't going to be just a 30-day antibiotic type of treatment. Right. We anticipated a year or two, but I would say the moment where it really hit me was about a year and a half into treatment. I was on my third Lyme doctor, not because we had any bad blood, but because they just kept passing me on. They, I was just kind of a rare case, and they, <laughs> they just reached the end of their resources. And so I had just finished with my third Lyme doctor who said I had been his most heroic patient, but there was nothing more he could do for me. And we got some labs back that were just horrible labs. I didn't look like, uh, you know, it just, it won't make sense, like a CBC and a CMP. Like I know listeners that may not make sense, but I just didn't, like a lot of my blood cell counts, all these things, it just didn't look human. Like how was I functioning as a human with labs like that? Hmm. And I remember very distinctly being in my house, looking at those and thinking about his words. And it was like in the movies. It's the only time I've had an experience like this where, you know, they there's been lots of trauma and then they cut everything to silence and you might just hear like someone's deep breathing to make the point on a, like a good movie. I kind of had that experience where it was like everything just seemed to like vanish and kind of go to the peripheral. And it was like, all I could hear was just like my heart pounding in my chest. And I just knew like, this is something I can't fix. I can't beat. I can't outwill. I can't work harder. Like this is real and this is really my life. And that moment, it just kind of like knocked the breath out of me, knocked the wind out of me. Oh my, we're, we're gonna go back um, to that, but let's, uh, let's rewind um, to before your, your illness, did you have any close family or friends who had suffered with like through a long chronic illness uh, before this hit? Like what, what did you know, maybe particularly about Lyme disease before this? Just any background at all? No, very little. I have a long history in my family of, of chronic mental illness and mental health issues. And so, um, by the way, I'm happy to talk to anyone in the church about that, especially through the COVID era. But nothing like this. Not, I mean, you always, at the end of the day, were able to gather yourself, get up, get out of bed, work hard. I came from a working class, uh, you know, Midwest family. Uh, and so, no, I hadn't seen anyone suffer long term like this. So I didn't have a category for what, like, debilitating fatigue looked like. I just thought if you kept working hard enough, you could get out of anything, you know. So I just, I didn't have a category for it. When I came here, I knew of two people who did have Lyme disease, but it was so far from my thinking. I mean, when you're 28, you don't, you're not thinking, and this is what's so sad because now I think about these people, but you're not thinking mm -hmm. about suffering or disease at the time you're not thinking mm -hmm. about cancer or or addison's disease or chronic immune mm -hmm. like you're thinking about taking on the world you're thinking about your dreams and your goals and your right. life and building a family and buying houses and so yeah when you're a little girl you don't grow up thinking like when i'm 28 i'm gonna get a disease that's gonna change my life forever uh, and irreparably damage me in some areas so no i just didn't have a category for it Anything that you wish you would have done or understood differently before your illness set in? 
Yes, this is actually one of the biggest things that I could just really preach on this or teach as a female, but um, I just wish I would have understood the need for margin, rest, and rejuvenation long before I ever got sick. I understood in theory the the need for a Sabbath, but today I was trying to think back to it. I don't actually even think I ever did anything in principle, though we're not like we're not required by law to take a Sabbath, mm-hmm. but but it's a wise uh, implication from the scriptures, but I just did not have a category for that. My categories was being on 100% or sleeping. Mm-hmm. I knew you're supposed to get sleep, that's healthy, that's good, mm-hmm. but I didn't know how to rest. And that um, that actually has been one of the biggest issues, and I think one of the most debilitating parts of this disease is since I didn't have that going into it, I have struggled desperately with how to rest both physically and also rest in Christ uh, emotionally, spiritually, mm-hmm. mentally uh, uh, when I have to, which is mm-hmm. so frequently now. So mm-hmm. um, David Tripp actually wrote a book on suffering. He's gone through some suffering in more recent years, some physical suffering with his kidneys. And he said, you don't just suffer, you suffer the way you suffer. So I didn't just undergo all this physical trauma, but on top of that, because I was high energy, 100% obsessed with the mission of God, I didn't let myself rest when the warning signs came. I didn't sleep when I needed to. I didn't step back from work when I was supposed to, when the doctors told me to. I didn't take a sabbatical soon enough. Uh, there was all these signs, but I just didn't know how to rest. And mm. and honestly, I was I knew so much about Jesus's mission, but I knew little to nothing about Jesus's rest. And that's what I've been learning through this. And that's what I wish I so badly would have known. So just to everyone healthy, cultivate margin and Sabbath and rest before you're forced to do it and then have to wrestle. And, and, you know, I think my illness has been prolonged because of how hard it's been for me to rest. Hmm. That's really helpful. Now, um, can you give like practically, and you can start with yourself, what does healthy rest look like? I mean, really practically for someone sick, it starts mm. with sleeping. Mm-hmm. This uh, this American idea that I'll sleep when I die when I die it's it's just ridiculous. You'll die because you don't sleep. Like mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. the truth. Like mm-hmm. that's scientifically proven. So, it starts with sleeping, making time for sleep, and then for me, it was learning to nap. I had to nap, whether I felt like I could or not. I had to nap. Beyond that, it's learning to let myself just sit or lay when I'm in pain or when I can't do something. It also looks like having to be willing to cancel some things because I couldn't do them. I mean, I was never flaky, and I don't say that lightly, but you might have to cancel some things. You might have to look at the next six months and say, okay, for the next six months, I can't actually do these things, so let me rework it so it's not a huge burden on other people, but I need to take this time off to Sabbath, to rest, to heal. If I would have done that sooner, I think that would have been better. So taking breaks from work, taking breaks in your day, pacing better. Um, And then from the spiritual side is is trusting Jesus. I know there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God, but even now through Christ, because of the gospel, we have even now entered into a Sabbath rest where we have rested from our works that would try to make us pleasing before God. And when you are chronically ill, you have to learn that in a concrete way that I really only knew in theory before. So I've had to learn to rest in Christ's finished work if I do nothing that day. And I really do mean if I just lay in bed and have to watch Netflix to distract myself from pain, 
that Christ is sufficient, that his works are what makes me pleasing to the Father. And that is hard to mm. really learn and carry out. Yeah, and that's that's hard for people, for us, whether we have chronic illness or not. So that's a really helpful word for, for everyone. Yeah, just that when you don't have chronic illness, you have mm. the ability to say you're trusting Christ, but then mm -hmm. to do all these things that maybe even unconsciously commend you in your mind before God, to mm. God. And so when you no longer can do those things, I, I, I right now am not taking any speaking engagements. I'm not writing for any of the places that I used to write that I loved. I'm not working for Western Seminary at the current moment. So when I can't do all these things that I didn't know even in my mind, maybe unconsciously was commending me before God, you really grapple with, is Christ enough? Mm. And he absolutely is, mm. but it's a real battle to rest in that. And I want to come back to a little bit here um, later what the Lord has, other things the Lord has taught you through this yeah, journey, absolutely. Whitney. But let's transition to thinking about how do we mourn with those who mourn? How do we show compassion to those who are suffering in our church? Um, let's start first about misunderstanding and misinformation. What do many people uh, not understand about chronic illness and pain, and how can we uh, educate ourselves and better understand what friends who are suffering are going through. Yeah, I think that is a, that is a really great question. I think uh, the first thing to know is that the chronic sufferer is always suffering from something. Uh, I know that we say we have good days and bad days, but that doesn't mean in any way we ever have normal quote unquote days. We so really, it's like we have bad days and worse days. But I think that doesn't mean that we can't ever do anything. That doesn't mean we can't engage people. That doesn't mean we don't want to spend time with you. But I think to understand that when it's chronic, there is always some type of suffering. You are always uncomfortable. There is always some symptom that you are trying to treat that day so you can attend church, so you can go to lunch with someone from church. So it's not like it's not like if I put on makeup and do my hair and I look good that day, I'm better. I'm not better. I just maybe had the Lord maybe gave me enough grace and maybe with the help of doctors and medicine to be able to attend something that day. So the, the chronic suffering suffer is always suffering something at, at different levels of discomfort. Um, and, and nothing is easy. I think that's important to understand. I know that life is hard for all of us, but I think just for people to understand how hard life is when you have a debilitating illness from from waking up to l like literally choosing to get out of bed that day to reading your bible to eating food finding food that you can eat and digest finding a position in your body that can get comfortable even laying in bed can be hard um coming to church we it's such an amazing means of grace but it's really hard to take a shower a lot of days and to get ready and to come to church. And so just understanding that, I think I think that would go a long way and and showing understanding and empathy. Like if someone misses church, reach out, tell them you love them and you miss seeing them because you so enjoy their presence. But like asking about like, why weren't we at church? Like that's just only gonna serve to make us feel so guilty on top of all the guilt and shame we already feel just for having a disease. Hmm. Yeah, and I think th those are great words um, for for so many. I think in our church who are are suffering. Talk a little bit more specifically about your illness, because I know um, 
if you're suffering from a more rare or even misunderstood illness or disease or just something that we maybe we don't know anybody who has uh, chronic Lyme disease, um, I've heard some people with like rare um, chronic illness say things to the effect like, in some ways, I, I hope, I wish I just had something like cancer, just so people understood, because people get cancer. Almost everybody has yeah. no, has yeah. a family member, a friend who has suffered cancer. Um, but how is it, how is it specifically difficult to have an illness that is, that is rare and misunderstood? And what kind of specific challenges has that posed for you? Well, that's funny. You took the words literally right out of my mouth, or at least right out of the a few notes I jotted down. Because um, I said one of the things is most of us, including myself, we wish so desperately there was a category for us. Dan, I can't tell you, it's at least on two hands, the amount of people I've interacted with now with chronic illness, who says that they, not that they're making light of cancer, mm-hmm. but just people understand cancer, people understand when you're going through chemo, like, that they need meals, that they need help, that they Mm -hmm. need space, that Mm. they need prayers. So when you have this rare, less known disease, I mean, I'm trying to think how best to say it. I I mean, part of it is bringing on on the greater platform, we need more awareness, we need more resources, we need more understanding about something like chronic Lyme disease. But until that comes out, and that's that's like on huge scientific levels, you know, they're doing studies like a John Hopkins. That's, but what can the local church do? I think that one of the things is like to take our word for it. Mm -hmm. If we say like something's going on and we have this disease and, and you ask us about it, just ask questions and we tell you about it, trust that what we're saying is real. We don't look sick. We didn't lose our hair from chemotherapy, but we are very sick. Mm. Um, and, and things that don't help is saying like, is this all in your head? Things don't, don't help is like, are you sure like you're not like having anxiety or depression? And, and very well, the person with chronic disease usually does end up in a season of depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. But just saying like, are you sure this just isn't like mental illness or just assuming because we don't have a clear diagnosis means that we don't actually have a disease is just so demeaning and so hurtful. And so on top of being so sick, we're also trying to advocate for ourselves and advocate that we really do have this illness, which puts us in a super weird spot. So mm-hmm. like to give you a very practical example, mm-hmm. something that has been so sweet to me that several people at Henson have done is when they've heard I have I had chronic Lyme disease, they went and looked it up and researched it. I didn't ask them to do that, mm-hmm. but they thought, I have no idea about this disease, and we want to love Whitney well. Mm-hmm. And they just read a couple articles on Lyme disease, and that meant so much to me. Maybe they don't understand because they don't have it, mm-hmm. but they were seeking to be understanding, and it was like a really beautiful, sweet thing to me. Speaking of understanding, and we have uh, the one, the only, Neil Woolard here as well. What? The, 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 the the power couple, as we had just last week. But, <laughs> Pre-Lyme um, <laughs> disease yeah. power couple. <laughs> but um, uh, Whitney, why don't you go first? But Neil, then I'm going to ask you if you have anything to add. Um, I mean, one of the things that Scripture uh, tells us as husbands is to live with our wives in an understanding way. And you you have had to learn that, Neil, in kind of a whole new, in this in this season, as, as Whitney has suffered, but you too have, have suffered. Um, Whitney, anything in particular, and I didn't prepare you for, for this. Oh, you're so, totally fine. But um, like, what, what, did it, what does it look like to, what has Neil done in, maybe specifically that has demonstrated that he's living with you in an understanding way, in a way that 
you guys, you know, had no idea that this was going to hit when you guys were were dating and early in your marriage. Oh, you, yeah. you didn't know that we this was coming. We saw ourselves on the mission field, living <laughs> at the mission of God. Um, Neil has been really, really amazing. And, and the fact that Neil has been sick himself, though not to the extent that I have, I think helps. He does actually have a little, there's a significant amount of understanding about it. But on top of that, I mean, he doesn't have the pain I have and the migraines I have and different things like that, some of the other mm-hmm. diagnoses that come. Um, he has just loved me really well. And this transcends marriage. This goes for anyone wanting to help. Just learning, he's really learned to ask, like, what's most helpful for me to do right now? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes that's the dishes. Sometimes that's making dinner. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's laying with me because I feel so alone and crazy in my pain. Sometimes that's talking with me through the just the anguish um neil is so sweet like he just glosses over when it comes to medication talk but one thing he's done he's tried so hard to be able to engage me on all the different medications and and give me wisdom and think through should i go on this shouldn't i he's weighed the options even though it's very unnatural for him to do that so it's just he's just been a christian i mean really if you think but he's been a faithful christ-like servant leader who says um how can i best serve you in this moment and the reason i give those different examples is because with chronic disease it changes day to day moment to moment what Mm -hmm. your needs are Mm -hmm. and so he's just been a a profound example uh, of christ and and servant leadership through that yeah anything to add neil about what the lord has taught you about living with your wife in an understanding way and anything more generally to jump off of that of what you've learned about caring for those who are suffering through this no, thank, thank yeah. you for asking. Uh, so, so first of all, Whitney and I, our dispositions are very different. Um, through this, she's had to really press herself to figure out what does it mean to rejoice in suffering. Whereas for me, um, that's a little bit, I'm bent that way. And for me, I've had to learn how do I lament in this and actually mm. sit in this, mm. not only what I've gone through, but clearly what she's gone through. And so I think it's really pushed me as I think, seek to care for her to realize like this is not the way it's supposed to be mm. and just to let it sit there. Mm-hmm. You know, Job's friends, they have their golden seven days mm-hmm. uh, when they listen well and then they started giving him advice. And mm-hmm. so for me, just to continue to just grow deeper in listening and caring for her, I know my wife, I've known her for such a long time. Her faith in Jesus Christ is profoundly deep and strong. Um, so when she's just talking about how hard a day is, that's, her faith is still strong. It's just been a hard day. Mm-hmm. So for me to be able to just be able to sit and listen, um, I think secondly, just learning how to care for Whitney in a way that's going to help her, that doesn't just express how I want to help. Um, uh, and then it, according to each day. So whether that's mm-hmm. practical needs around the house or talking about medication, which I'm trying to get better at. My brain just doesn't <laughs> you grab. You are getting better. Yeah, getting I'm slowly better. but surely getting better at. But that's just part of the way because Whitney, uh, it's it's really tiring. Um, I think as a friend of a chronic sufferer, to mm-hmm. always hear about the same thing and over and mm-hmm. over again. So mm-hmm. as a husband, I want her to talk to me about it so she can talk about other things if necessary <laughs> with mm-hmm. friends. Mm-hmm. So I think just learning to, to continue to be present. In a, in a season where it doesn't seem like there's much relief. Mm-hmm. So a lot, of, a lot of character building and growing there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing. I, uh, that's, that's really helpful. I, I think speaking of understanding too, I don't know for, for either, for both of you, but particularly for you, Whitney, um, once the pandemic hit, um, 
maybe to some degree, all of us got a little sliver of understanding the isolation that, you know, for most of us, not the pain, Mm -hmm. but the isolation Mm -hmm. uh, that we can suffer that can be so, so difficult, especially, you know, you guys are are so gifted uh, socially, personally, in terms of ministry, reaching out to others. And then there came a time when you just weren't able to do that, Mm -hmm. at least to the degree that you were used to. Um, All of us got a little taste of that for a short period of time. what do you hope, though, that that we, as we're kind of coming out of the pandemic, at least that we, we hope, um, what do you hope that we will remember and a lesson that we will learn have learned from the pandemic so that we can care for those who, yeah, they don't get to kind of come out of this at a certain time, you know, like that it, it's an ongoing struggle. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I think I really want people to walk away from COVID if that's if if we get to walk away from it. Uh, knowing that when their lives again go back to normal, and I understand when I say normal, it's it's in quotes. There's varying degrees, but um, a lot of ours won't. There there'll be a category of us people who, like we said earlier, don't even totally have a category, which would that would be such a blessing in and of itself. Um, who are gonna remain bed bound and isolated and. Um, many of us will go on feeling constant flu-like viral symptoms uh, indefinitely, and many of us won't be able to attend service safely, not just because of COVID, but what what catching the flu can do to me. Uh, you know, we had a stint where I caught the flu. I, I, I had a horrible case of the flu, and then a week later I was hospitalized for overnight for an adrenal crisis because I didn't rebound from that appropriately. So, And it was a, it was a life-or-death Thing with um, an electrolyte imbalance that we didn't know about. So, mm. so getting the flu, um, getting a virus, like just attending church safely, everyone else is going to be, you know, back at it. But mm-hmm. just to remember that some of us will never be able to mm. do that really safely. We'll risk it because that's mm-hmm. worth it. But mm-hmm. just to understand that, like, whatever abnormal, you know, that loss of stability, that loss of a normal life, that loss of meaningful engagement, that loss of attending church, the loss of dreams for one year, the loss of a vacation. People with chronic disease have lost that indefinitely. A vacation, stability, normalcy, um, fellowship when we want it, just the, the joy of getting to attend church and feel good and be able to engage. So for some people, that loss was for six weeks, six months. We're going, you know, on a year. But for some of us, that, that that's been going on for us for six years, and it's continuing indefinitely. And and Whitney, how did you how did you respond to that loss, and how do you respond to that? What anything that as you think about your your journey here, what what has that that been like? I can't imagine. Yeah, sometimes it feels like I've lost everything, yeah. and. And I know my Christian answer is coming. Like Neil said, I still have a faith. So I feel like if everyone could just give chronic sufferers a moment of pause and to let that sit before we rush to say how good Christ has been, because he has been. But to understand that in, sometimes in looking at it, it just feels like you've lost everything. You haven't just lost your health. You've lost um, your jobs, your career, your desire for ministry, um, a lot of people lose the ability to have children, um, to buy a home, to have fellowship, to have a dinner. So you've, I've mm-hmm. lost, personally, I've lost the vitality and energy to live my life. So it feels like, 
you know, I've told so many people on bad days, like, this just isn't life. Like, what I'm mm-hmm. doing isn't life. Mm-hmm. And so to let that loss sink in, I think, would be helpful in people growing in empathy and compassion. That being said, a woman who suffers multiple chronic issues and pain, she said this once, and I think this is so true. She said, suffering can be like a famine. It's a famine of comfort and peace, a famine of joy and health, a famine of community and self-worth. And that's really what it's like. It's like a famine. But then she goes on and says this, and this is what I've been able to experience. She says, to this famine, Christ offers the feast of himself. Um, And I just think that's really true. I think that Christ has been so good to me through all of this. I think he continually offers himself as a feast to me. And it feels like it feels like so much has been taken away. And then you think about what Christ did for us on the cross, his incarnational ministry, his life, death, his resurrection, how he even now sits at the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us. He has actually... Um, given me so much so even there's this paradox i feel so much loss Mm. and yet through this um when so many things are taken away your focus narrows and i think it has narrowed even more on just who christ is and what he's done for me in the gospel and and so i'm rich even though i'm poor i'm strong even though i'm weak i'm rejoicing even though i'm lamenting he he just turns everything on its head i guess and so um i just think that's one of the most beautiful quotes and this is a woman who suffers indefinitely from several um from several diseases and and several conditions and so i think suffering's a famine and yet christ is a feast that's so good what about um anger I, i i see in God's kindness to you, you you have, um, you're such an example of of trusting the Lord through through trial, through suffering. Did you go through, and do you go through periods of being angry with the Lord for taking away? Because it's just like you know, I know you you would say along with Job um, that God did this. Um, how is that? Uh, how has that journey for you or how's that been? I think anger is absolutely appropriate mm-hmm. in, in seasons like these. I think the book of Job, uh, the book of Ruth with Naomi's lament, uh, the Psalms, it gives us so much space to to wrestle and to have anger. Um, and so I just want to say that on the record, that we mm-hmm. are on the record right now. Um, for some reason in this particular season, um, and I just think it's a gift of the Holy Spirit because perhaps so many other things have gone wrong, but... Um, God has, I've not battled anger through this, though it is totally okay if you do. I have lamented and I have mourned, and that is, and, and I, and I want to speak to that in a second, Dan, because lament is, the, is a pathway to hope. It's, it's a biblical category we have got to get better at. But um, just for some, re- for some reason, I have felt a, a resounding sense of God's goodness to me, um, through this prolonged season, uh, an acute awareness of God's goodness to me. And I know that not everyone feels that way. And I don't know if it's because so many things have gone wrong physically that that is just a mercy. But um, I, he's allowed this into my life, and yet he has shown me so much goodness that I haven't yet been angry. But I do want to say I do weekly therapy. I'm working through all of this. I'm working through adjustment disorder, a different life. I, I get to talk through all this. I was, like Neil said, I was very quick to lament. So I never felt like God didn't let me have my real raw emotions. And I think the more honest you can be, the sooner, like the sooner you can be honest with God, I think it keeps you from growing bitter and angry. 
that's really helpful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what about the church? Uh, how can the church, and how has the church uh, cared and served you during this time? And uh, what, what can we learn um, walking side by side with those who are suffering? Maybe a brother or sister has cancer. Maybe they have I mean, yeah, just talk from your own experience. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I would say that through all of this, I have learned what I kind of already believed, but I learned experientially that um, the the local church is, I think, one of God's greatest gifts this side of heaven. Um, the church has, um, Henson Baptist Church has served me so, served us, Neil and I together, mm. so well through this season um, by asking about Lyme disease, by seeking out understanding, like reading those articles, by asking how they can be helpful, not just saying we're going to help, but what's most helpful for you, by bringing meals through prayers, letters, text, by cleaning our house, by um, letting me talk about my pain, by lamenting with me, by just sitting next to me and saying, this sucks, this sucks so bad. Mm -hmm. And being honest about that, um, that by taking care of my husband, I feel like Henson has taken so much care of my husband when I have not been able to be as involved and by his side the way I always was in years past. I feel like I am just 100% confident that he is always in great hands with the pastors, with the elders, with the congregation. Um, and just not letting me suffer alone, enduring with me. Like, I'm asking for the same prayers for healing and endurance I was asking six years ago, and and the church is still praying for my healing and my endurance, and and that's building up their endurance. Mm -hmm. And so it's just been this amazing thing. So the the Henson has done really, really well on that. And so saying what can the church do is really um, for anyone else listening, is is doing those things, hmm. is asking um, s specific ways to help. And this is just something I want people to know is that if you say, um, hey, let me know if you need anything. Like, we always need something. <laughs> people with disease and pain hmm. always need something. And we're probably not going to just like call you out of the blue and ask you to do our laundry. Hey, will you do my worship pastor, your worship pastor's underwear, you know, clean his underwear and fold his laundry? Like, that's just... That's just not what we're going to do. So saying, hey, can I drop a meal by on Thursday? What are your um, what are your food restrictions? Like, that's so helpful. It's mm -hmm. just like, I'm going to help you. Mm -hmm. So just tell me, like, do you have any food restrictions? Or like, I'm going to, um, since you're at this doctor's appointment from uh, 11 to 12 on Mondays, I'm going to come and clean your house. Um, do, are you okay? What areas are you okay with me being in and whatnot? And that's something that I had someone do. Mm -hmm. And just like those specific ways are so much more, like one of that is so much more helpful than a thousand, let me know if you need anything. Mm -hmm. So just like I would just tell everyone in any church, like try to, try to seek out how that person best needs served and then be really specific in your help. That's really good. Any other thing you've mentioned, like things not to say, things not to do, one of which is like, are you sure you're sick? Or are you sure you, you know, this is all, isn't all in your head? Um, I would hope that most people wouldn't say that, but I could definitely see a, a lot of us falling into the trap of let us know if you need anything. Very yeah. kind of, but so that's good. But any other like common, like maybe something if we haven't ourselves uh, suffered through chronic illness, uh, something that we wouldn't know to, to, to say, like to not say. 
Yeah, or that's do. a great question. Um, it's funny. I know that people are trying to be kind, but especially in the beginning, and it wasn't just at Hinson, it was across the board. Everyone said, uh, you know, I, I said that I was sick, but you look so healthy. You look good. And I know that's intended to be a compliment, mm. but what we hear is, so you're faking it or you're just oh, being no. crazy. Yeah, yeah. So I know... Um, you know, like I even had someone someone pray over me once, and the majority of the prayer was, God, she just looks so healthy, and she seems healthy, and we just can't understand that she's sick. And I was like, what? This prayer is like cutting me to pieces, like, oh, because wow. I already battle feeling so much guilt or like, mm. or you already battle feeling like, am I crazy? Am I faking it? Am, am I just trying to get out of something? Am I lazy? I, I mean, especially like high performance, high perfectionism, people who get, mm-hmm. the, a lot of times, women in particular, who get these autoimmune disorders, mm-hmm. they're already wrestling with all that. So when people are like, you look great, you look fine, we hear, so you're faking it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's just been really tough. I hear that less and less because I think I kind of tried to just gently um, explain that that's not as helpful. That's good. That's really good. Whitney, uh, we're running short on time, but yeah. I do have two two more questions. Yeah. I, I want to hear if there's anything else you want to say uh, to the church and to those who listen. You, you mentioned earlier saying something about lament. So yeah. there's that. And then I just want to know how we can pray for you. And then I want to conclude by just briefly praying for you here. Thank you so much. Yeah, um, I would just say um, in terms of like resources on lament, you especially if you're suffering, just if you feel like you can't do anything else, just if you can spend some time in the Psalms, whether you can read it or have someone read it to you or you can listen to it. Um, lament is one of the most common uh, category of Psalms. And yet in Western culture, it's just not a category for us. For me, lament has been the pathway and the bridge to hope Hmm. so and the psalms do that they Mm -hmm. let you pour out your heart and raw honest confession and then they move you towards hope in god and on an individual level i've been able to do that but we need to understand that the psalms were written for corporate worship so things like putting a lament uh, prayer into our service um things like i think people are just genuinely uncomfortable with um lamenting Mm -hmm. so just trying to learn to get better at when someone says like i'm in so much pain today or this really stinks or i hate this like we don't always need the correction about god's sovereignty and god's goodness like say like i hate this for you Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. or even if you've ever like cried that you know i've had friends say like i was just moved to tears over like how um, disabled you've become not getting to live out your calling and passion and that has meant more to me than hundreds of words so just learning to lament together we just mm-hmm. we're i think henson's really growing in this i would mm-hmm. just encourage us to keep growing into this because we first have to lament the loss before we can find a new life my life might look different but i know that god has a new passion new vocation for me a vocation of suffering that will minister mm-hmm. to others but mm-hmm. we have to walk through lament to get to that pathway of hope mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. Um, and then just to my handsome brothers and sisters, yeah. I just want to, um, gosh, now I feel weepy again, just say thank you so much. I 
I was always very like transactional in my life. So if you gave me a meal, I gave you a gift card and I, or if you served me this way, then I served you double that. And so, Mm. um, but during a season, I haven't been able to do that. I haven't even been able to give out thank you cards to everyone who's helped us. I have been so um, loved and so outserved. You know, I think of the biblical text that says, outdo one another in showing honor and care. And um, Henson, you have outdone me in so many ways in showing love and care and honor and um, grace and mercy to Neil and I. And we are so grateful. So please let this be like my very high energy, very deeply um, felt thank you, individual thank you to every single one of you who've prayed for us, who sent text, cards, meals. Um, I know we still need it, but we are just so, so, so grateful. Whitney, I praise God for you. Thank you for opening up your heart to us and sharing these, you know, your difficult journey uh, through yeah. this so that we might care and love you as, as Christ has called to us to and as he's cared for us. Mm-hmm and so that we might care for others among us. Can I just conclude by by praying for you in particular? Please, please. Heavenly Father, I, I pray for my sister, and I pray uh, that you would continue to uh, show her how, um, how much you love her, how much you care for her, even in the famine that she is going through. We, we do uh, hate uh, this suffering that she is experiencing. We hate... Uh, this illness. Uh, we, we recognize uh, that this is not what the way that things are meant to be. Um, Lord, we, we do pray for Whitney's healing. We pray that you would have mercy on her and that you would strengthen her, not only in her inner being, because we, we see you doing that, and we pray that you would continue to do that, but that you would strengthen her and heal her in her outer being, that you would uh, heal her body. Uh, Father, uh, we thank you for how she has been able to share so openly and, and wisely what you have taught her and how we uh, as a church have, have served her. We pray that we would continue to serve those who are suffering in our midst. We pray that we would be compassionate like Jesus and that we would be attentive uh, and, and humble. Uh, Lord, as we recognize that all too often we do not serve well or we serve out of how we want to serve. So, Lord, continue to teach us and shape us as a church uh, to be a church, um, Lord, that you have called us to be. Uh, So, Lord, be with Whitney. I pray that you would even strengthen her today after she has given herself uh, to help us as a church uh, care for one another. And we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Whitney. Thanks, Dan. 